This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. You guys know I've been making the rounds talking to people about God. I had on my show a person that's a Baha'i. I'm going to be talking to a Hebrew Israelite. I'm going to be talking to, you know, I just want to, I want to have this conversation because my whole mission is breaking people. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm evoking the spirit of Harriet Tubman. I need to break the binds. I need to break the bondage. And I believe in many people's lives, their relationship with religion has kept them from being their best, most complete self. So I wanted to talk to two people who you may already know. You know them because you might listen to Sirius XM on a Sunday and check in the, check them out. And they've been on the show, of course, the Karen Hunter Show a lot. I want to welcome Momentum Advisors, Tiffany Hawkins and Alan Boomer. Welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. Hi, Karen. Hey. Hello. Oh, Hello. my gosh. All right. So I'm going to start with um, Alan because Alan is a preacher's kid. Alan was raised in a home where somebody preached. Tell, tell us about that, Alan. Yes, all is true. I stand <laughs> accused. <laughs> oh, my God. So my dad is a is a bishop. Still is. Still is. Um, when I was growing up, though, so there's three of us, three brothers. My older brother caught the tail end of him after he's converted. Like, he saw the, the drinking and smoking dad, and who then became a deacon, who then became a minister. But by the time... We even started going to church. My my older brother was already 16 years old. He was not raised in the church the way I was. So I was that transition kid where from six years old on, I was pretty much raised in the church. My little brother was even more so than me raised in the church. So we've seen, you know, how my dad has gotten closer to God over time from, again, being a, a backslider to being a deacon to being a, a minister, ultimately to being a pastor, and to being a bishop. So that's my relationship as a PK. Mm-hmm. So what's your relationship to God? So I've always had a, a, a strong belief in God. Uh, God is, is, like I talk to God every day. Um, I believe in God. I believe I'm a child of God. I'm a, I'm a believer. All right. How does that manifest in your life? Because I feel like many preachers, kids, we... Down the street from me growing up were, were the Bats, Reverend Bat. Uh, he had three kids. And it was some challenges with the kids. Because I always see preachers' kids, they, you know, they're either going to be rebellious. And I, I've likened it as an adult, too, because preachers' kids get to see how the, how the sausage is made. So what, what we see in, in the pulpit on Sundays, they also get to see all of the stuff that actually happens, and nobody's perfect. So sometimes the word doesn't quite line up with what you see every day. Did you experience that? So for me, my, my dad was always really, uh, like he, he was not very strict around religion, the way I think some PK kids kind of grow up where you're being forced to do stuff. Like, I mean, we, we had to go to church. Like, that was his one rule. But he did not put a lot more on us other than that, where I think I've seen other PKs where they had to do a lot more than just go to church. All right. So I know, you know, people are going to listen to this. <laughs> right. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling, Alan, that uh, the forthrightness, I'm not I'm not calling you out, but I'm just feeling that you're not you're not being 100 with us right now i just feel like there's some stuff <laughs> there's some stuff that you need to, to to let off your chest that you 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 trying to make everybody's feelings right and i'm saying that there's somebody listening right now who might need a word from you so that you're not delivering yeah so I, i'll tell you some of the struggles i had some of the struggles were really more so 
old as I got older, as I was in college and after college, some of the struggles were, you know, around fornication. Did he Sex. say fornication? fornication. No, you, we're talking you religion. So you told me. You it's told me. Fornication. All right, now no, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this because this is my podcast. It ain't the radio. All right. You told me that you told your mother you could never go to jail because you love pussy too much. <laughs> right? Yeah. Karen, yeah. You love pussy you too that? much. You said that to me. Okay. There. Yeah. yeah. Pussy. You, you that? said pussy. You said the word. <laughs> so yes. So, yep. It's still true. <laughs> All no, right. but so, so are you going to hell over pussy, Alan? I hope not. Okay. <laughs> I hope not. All but right. I will say, like, I, I'm taking <laughs> my God, shirt off, you think by God. the way. <laughs> Alan struggles with that, though. Like, that's the part I'm trying to get him to get to. Like, from, yeah. a, from, from the outside looking in, and, and we've had this conversation, Alan struggles. He, I don't think he has had the experience of, like, like you said, seeing how the sausage is made and being conflicted. But he's got all, he carries all the pressure, all the weight, all the time. I remember, like, not too long ago, I asked him, um, uh, do you think you're going to hell? Do you know? I said, do you know if you're going to heaven or not? And he was like, unsure. And that's because of the pressure that comes with having the dad that you have. I, I, I think I've said this to you that I think you carry an unnecessary amount of weight trying to live up to being a PK. Go ahead. Well, uh, this is just us. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, no, so like to Tiffany's point, there's been some struggles, you know, again, like when you start having sex and your father who's in the in the pulpit is talking about and, and I grew up in like a fire and brimstone type of church. Like if you sin, you're going to hell. Right. There's and no so, no purgatory. There's no halfway house. Right there. <laughs> One no, way ticket. No, it's nothing. So do you did you did you because I, I remember growing up, you know, being afraid of dying. Right. And I remember being a real little kid because my grandmother died when I was 11. And I was like, man, I wonder what where she is and what she's thinking. And it would petrify me because I'm like, one day I'm not going to be here. And then I would be petrified. And then I was like, OK, right before I think I'm going to die, I'm going to f- say ask for forgiveness. Because I've read I've, my past. If you just ask for forgiveness, so I'll say as soon as I'm about to take my last breath, I'm just going to say, forgive me, Lord, for everything that I did. Forgive me all my sins. And then I'll make sure I'm going to get into heaven. And when I was little. Right. I used to think if all I need to do was say I'm sorry at the end. Then I'll be good. But I've evolved into understanding that heaven and hell are not places that you go to. I don't I don't believe that there is a place that you go where it's burning and every there's sulfur and there's a de- devil with the horns. Do you think that the, that there's a place like this, Alan? I do. I think I believe think that there's a hot? hell. 100%. I think it's just, you know, whether it's hot, I think it's a place you don't want to be. Whether it's heat or whether it's something else, I think it's a place you don't want to be. You don't think it's like a manifestation of because I have kind of evolved into this understanding that um, matter can't be created or nor destroyed. So we're never not going to be here in some form. And if we think of God, like I've evolved in how I think of God, right? God is a sum total of all of us, right? And I do think God is a being, but I think God is way bigger than we can even imagine. But we make God tiny because we are tiny-minded people. But to go to hell is, to me, to not be your whole, full, complete self and live the life that you were put here to live. That's hell. To close your eyes and never discover what you were here to do. To never be free of all of the things. That's hell because you're eternally there with the regret. I mean, I, I think about some of the things I wish I had done, you know, when I was, you know, and, and it weighs on you. That permanently, that has to be hell. 
but you think it's a physical place with sulfur and a red guy with horns and a tail. I never picture the devil. I just picture it being a horrible place. Like, for example, like things that you don't like, it happens to you all the time. So if you don't like the feeling of being poked in the eye, it's like getting poked in the eye. Like, I thought it's just a bad feeling, a bad thing that you can't do anything about. But I will tell you, it's, again, coming from a fire and brimstone background. It's funny, you mentioned being a kid and your view on what you wanted to do at age 11 when I, I never even talked about this before, but my I had a family member pass away. I thought that I killed him because I was saying curse words at school. Like, I thought there was this direct connection between sin and consequence. That connection, like we're talking about, if you sin, you go to hell. As a child, I thought it was you do something bad, something bad's going to happen to you. And he's still like that, though. That's still... Really? It's, so... Since, you know, Alan and I have been working together for almost five years, and I'm very opposite of Alan. Um, but I will tell you, one of my biggest issues upon meeting him was that I was like, you are so judgmental. And so it, it's with himself and it's with others. And so somebody would do something, he'd be like, I would never. And I would always, I will always bounce back. Like, yes, you would. What if you did? You don't know that person. And then when he would do something... I would be like, you're a bad person. Like, do you see, like, and say, do you see how ridiculous that seems? You know how ridiculous? And that's what you do to other people. And he's grown a lot from that. But, like, he still hasn't grown from doing it to himself. So, like, if he does something, quote, unquote, wrong, and anything that happens the next hour, anything that happens the next day, it's because I did that thing. And I have tried wow. to say, you're not that important. <laughs> None of us are. You're not that powerful. Like, if we believe that God is this all-knowing, all-being, you tripping that lady ain't... Now, he's never tripped a lady. I was going to say, how are you tripping? You but like, tripping people. you cursing <laughs> right. on a conference call ain't about to shake the world up. Right. It's uh, it's way right. bigger things in motion than right. you and your, and your random movement. I mean, but even the notion of what's a sin, you know, because there's some things... If you don't think whatever you're doing, yeah, it can be in the Bible, but then it's like, don't eat uh, cloven foot, shrimp, all it. I mean, there's so many things that are sinful in the Bible. There's like, in the Old Testament alone, it's 633 things that you can do that are bad, you know? even in thought. Right. Right, right? Like, all you have to do is think the thing, and it is equated to a sin. And so, you know, like I said, I was raised completely different. You were raised a Jehovah's Witness? I was raised a Jehovah's Witness for a short period of time, even though my parents weren't Jehovah's Witness. Say what now? Right. Tiffany Hawkins. Yes. How how did that happen? Because (laughs) I had a lot of cousins in my neighborhood. And they were all Jehovah's Witness. Their parents were Jehovah's Witness. So it was like, if you want to so hang Saturday out with your morning, cousins, we gonna get up, right, we gonna knock on some doors, hang out with them, and then we could watch cartoons, right? And so I was Jehovah's Witness until I didn't want to be one anymore. So what was the age range? Um, I was a Jehovah's Witness probably till I was like seven or eight, and Wait. I. That's not very long. You see them kids knocking on them doors, standing next to them, so knocking on them doors. How long were you out in them streets? Probably like three years. Wow. So they had you as like a four or five year old? I was at four all Four or five it. years old out in them streets. And I think the Jehovah's Witness do an amazing job of creating materials for kids that like are specific to kids to teach you about God the way that they believe in him. And I was so enamored by that. I was all in. I was like, this, these books are great. And they got coloring books and it's just wonderful. And then, you know, my own personal experiences caused me to think differently about the people in the ministry. And then I, and I talked about this on Still Show one time, I vividly remember saying, 
and this is just my personal experience, I felt like all we did was talk about heaven and hell. All we did was talk about what do we have to do to make sure we go to heaven, right? And I'm not going to get into the details, but Jehovah's Witness, have, they have a number. There's a very specific number of people. Yeah, uh, 144,000. Why wouldn't you get into it? It's in the Bible. Right. And so, That number's in the Bible, by the way. In the, in the, in the New Testament and Revelations, I actually studied Revelations, that's the number. Right. And they believe that that's all that's going to go. It. And so as a kid, I'm always like, who got swapped in today? Who got swapped out? You know, oh, so and, there's a swapping. I, I don't know, but that's what I thought. And I remember... Literally, that's all we talked about. And I, one day I said, but what about tomorrow? Like, I'm I'm a kid. Can somebody teach me what I'm supposed to do to get to being an adult? Like, I feel like I'm tired of talking about what's going to happen after I die. And I went home and I told my parents and they were like, cool, that's it. That day, <laughs> I was no longer a Jehovah's Witness. And right. I started going to church with my parents who would go to a Christian church. So your church. parents were like, our four, five, six, seven-year-old Tiffany is going knocking on doors on Saturday mm-hmm. and they didn't have no problem with that. Mm-mm. And they were okay with it. Mm-hmm. And when you were done with it, they were okay with they that were like, too. Cool. Now we on Sundays. This is what we do on Sundays. Cause they, they go to church, church on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's kingdom hall like kingdom hall. I mean, for, again, I have a kid experience, so um, it's quiet. Ain't no tambourines. Ain't no whole lot of hallelujahs. It's very educational. Um, and it's quiet. And um, so when I remember when I went to church for the first time, I was like, oh, snap. Like, <laughs> you get to yell and, you know, sing. the Holy sing. Holy Ghost. People are dancing. I was like, let's keep doing this, you know. But even then, my parents, um, so I had an aunt who was very, you know, she was the, on the usher board. She was singing in the choir and she passed away. And she passed away when I was like oh, 10 or 11. And when she passed away, we stopped going to church. That was it. And after that, I grew a very strong fear of God. I wouldn't even say the word Why? for a very long. I think people don't. I, as a kid, I took things very literally. So the fear of God like, in the fear of God. Thought he was like Candyman. He was like, <laughs> no, seriously. And I wasn't I didn't think he was bad, but I was just terrified of him. You know, Jewish Orthodox Jews will not say God. I would not say they that. will not write God. They write G, they put a space in D. They do not say or write the word of God because it's too sacred. And when somebody else would say it, I would feel so uncomfortable, right? And so the neighborhood that we grew up in, y'all, everybody go to church. So as I got older and as I made more friends, it was like, if you spend a night Saturday night at somebody's house, y'all are going to church on Sunday. And while I would try to get out of it as much as, much as I could, I would find myself in church often. And I would just be terrified the whole time. I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but funniest story, I got tricked into getting baptized. I didn't even know I was getting baptized. How you get tricked? No lie. So I'm at I'm at church with my friends because all my friends are in the youth group and the and the sleepover group and I'm like Lord okay sure, um and very matter of factly, somebody speaks a teenager my age I didn't know exactly what an altar call was was like hey do you like red and do you want to be good and I was like yeah sure and I and they were like come on down and I was like yeah okay no problem I didn't know what was going on <laughs> and I walked down and they baptized you not then right so my friends are all like standing up and so happy for me like <laughs> oh my god and I'm like okay I thought y'all like red too I don't know what's going on and so they didn't say it at the time they were like we're gonna give you some information afterwards I'm like cool they give me the information and they're like come back on this date and I'm like, cool, no problem. 
I come back on this date and everybody's got these white robes on. There's a pool. We're in a back situation. It's a it's a um audience with family and friends. Is your family there? No, because I didn't know I was getting baptized. Oh my god! I was like, so you in some <laughs> random person's church? How old were you? So this is the embarrassment. I was I just turned eighteen. Oh I just turned eighteen. So wait, this is where it gets better. So I'm like, you know, Alan knows me. Like if I'm if you put me in a situation, I'm here now. We going. I'm going all the way through with it. So I'm like, cool, whatever. Like I wasn't supposed to get my hair wet. Whatever. I'm a, I'm gonna do it. We and have, that was probably the biggest issue. Right. So <laughs> our hometown, we have um, First Baptist of Lincoln Gardens, Buster, you know, stories. He's he's the pastor. Yeah. I just saw him. Yeah, he's yeah. the pastor of our town, right? So I was at his church, um, and he's good friends with my father. Wait, I did not know this. Yeah. So Pastor Sories, Buster Sories, DeForest Sories, mm-hmm. was the pastor of the church. He baptized you. And that's the church I went Stop. to. Yeah. So he's good friends with my father, right? I guess he got a hold of the baptism list. Right. Right. And it was like Tiffany Hawkins. Right. And tells my father. So here I go. So first of all, I don't want to be here. I didn't sign up for this, but we're here now. I get up, you step up, and then they put you in a whole pool and dunk you down. As I step up, my father walks in the back door. I'm like, who invited him? (laughs) So I see my father, and then I get dunked. And then I come up. And I come down, and my father gives me a hug, and I'm like, "We are here under false pretenses. Like, <laughs> you think I did something that I didn't do? Wait, that I didn't wait, mean to sign up for? Wait, like, so he's like, you... let me take you out to eat. Oh my Let's gosh. go whatever you want. And I'm like, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I'm cool with it now, but like, I didn't mean to do this. Do you think so, Alan? Do you remember your baptism? Yeah, I do. Yeah, for me, totally different circumstances. <laughs> right. Like my church was really small, so like they, you kind of knew what was gonna happen. You go up there when they do the altar call, and if you know when you go up there, it's a big deal. How old were you? I think I was probably fourteen or fifteen. Did you make a conscious decision, or what? Did your father say mm, it's about time you? I felt like I've got to do this at some point. It got to the point where it felt <laughs> awkward that I had not done this right. yet. Like I right. had not joined the church i had not been baptized even though i've been going to this church since i was six years old and i remember like my mom i wanted to do it on a day when my mom wasn't at church she had to work some sundays because i did not want people to make a big deal about it i just wanted to get it done get it over with but everybody is all congratulating you like you've got the i got 14 years old you don't really have the wherewithal to make that caliber of a decision but they let you do it because it's better than not, I well, guess, in I mean, the eyes in other of... faiths, like the Jewish faith, when you're 12 or 13, if you're a girl, you're 12, 13, they bar mitzvah. That's their rite of passage there. That's when you're an adult, when a, when a girl can have her menstruation, usually, you know, 12, 13. So, that, so you are a, an adult in some cultures. But I'm saying in those cultures, they don't ask you. Like, the day comes and you do it because right. it's a ritual. Right. I'm saying that accepting the Lord as your as your savior and agreeing to be baptized seems like a decision. Okay, so now looking back. What does that mean to you? Alan, what does that mean to accept the Lord as your savior? Yeah, so I view I like I, I've accepted the Lord as my savior from that point. I will say I've sinned since then. And you're going to continue to. I've felt like <laughs> As a kid, I felt like... What is like, sin? Okay. Because I'm, I think this is the bondage part that I think people get caught up in. Cause I, so I'll tell you how I feel about life. 
I think we were born, put on this earth to discover, first of all, our own purpose, but also our connection to humanity. So I've said this before. I look at all the people as part of one big puzzle. We all fit together that have been blown up to into billion, seven, eight billion pieces. And our goal is to figure out where we fit so that we can fit in to make a perfect picture, a perfect humanity, a perfect union globally. That's my that's my vision of life. And that God, when we all come together, is truly at his greatest or her greatest power when we all can come together because then we can't be stopped. Exactly how I was not raised. Yeah, like, no, I know. I was raised that we were put here to glorify God, period. Well, what does that mean? Glorifying God is in a couple ways. It's living a life that he's proud of, that God is proud of. It's living a life that 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 makes it attractive to be a, uh, a Christian. Um, it's, it's doing things that bring glory to God through your everyday actions. But if it's phony... Meaning that because every day you sin, then it's like, but you're putting on this face that everybody's like, oh, man, that's really there's a really good person. And not that you're not. But if all you're showing is a perfection, then you're not showing the whole because when I look at Jesus, I see somebody that came through a carpenter's through some very, you know, nefarious, you know, it was, it was shaky. Um, You know, the mother's a virgin. The father's like, I, I ain't had nothing to do with this. OK. He's got brothers and sisters, and he's hanging out with fishermen, thieves, tax collectors, prostitutes, uh, you know, women, women at the well. Like, he's that dude. We don't know what happened between age, what is it, last time we see him in Egypt, and then we see him again at 30. There was a whole lot of stuff that went on with Jesus that we don't know nothing about, and then he pops up at 30, and he's going around turning water into wine at a wedding. And you're like, oh, something special here. But if we're following a model... The model is not perfect in the way in which many of us wear it. Tiffany, go ahead. Yeah, I'm I dying you. over here. I okay. see you. I, I don't You're believe. You're living. Yes. For, for, yes. I don't. I believe that we are following a model. I just believe that most people have the model completely wrong. Right. So after I got baptized at 18, I decided, all right. Let me see what's going on. Like, let me let me try to build my own relationship here and stop being so so afraid, right? And so I th- I have the best uh like story or like timeline as far as my relationship with God. So I went to Morgan, uh, and then who became my pastor? Jamal Bryant, who is <laughs> extremely I'm controversial. I'm sorry, extremely you, you controversial. selected that. I, I Shout out to you, Pastor Bryant. How could Bryant. you not? How could you? He is sensational. <laughs> like if you need it as a college student, if you need a reason to get up on yes, Sunday, he yes. gonna give it. And he gave yes. it to me every time. I tell you, did he give it to you? I mean, listen, All right, let me know. That. Let me know. Let me but know. Like, as far I, as I heard some things, Jamal some Bryant and I was a member of that church for a strong three years, probably four. Jamal Bryant. All the things, he, all that energy, all the foolishness, it's there every Sunday, like clockwork. And you, as a younger person who needs a, a reason to be to motivated, mm-hmm. like, you never walk out disappointed. Um, So I was a member, and I was there through the scandal scandal. I was there Child. through the whole... And y'all could Google search that. We're not yes, going to talk about that But today. I was sitting right there the whole time. I was there when she was sitting there and when she wasn't. And I'm like, what? You know, but it was a, it was still a still, good time. The Housewives of Potomac? Is yes. Is that one? Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was my first lady and then she wasn't. Um, But and it was... So I went from that, right? Then I moved to Atlanta. And who not only becomes my pastor, but becomes my boss? Creflo Dollar. Oh, my God. Listen, I've had a role. Oh I've had a ball gosh. with this thing. Okay? Well, let me just tell you this about Creflo Dollar. 
that man could preach. Come on. That man could preach from Come the Bible on. in a way. I mean, that man can teach. Come on. That man can teach. I chew up the meat, spit out the bones. I don't even get caught up in all the foolishness because that's one of the most biblically sound Come people. Come on, that, you No, know, he really is. He really, I can't even say Come nothing on, about Karen. that. All right, Tiffany. So all right. I, I work. But Taffy, though. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but Taffy, though. I, I worked for Dr. Dollar. Okay. Um, I was a part of his executive team. So I didn't work for the church. I worked for Dr. Dollar. Um, and so he has a traveling missions ministry. Have you been on a jet? I have not. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so petty, but I think <laughs> I, I think I'm going to happen anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll tell you about that later. So I've been on it, but not while it was in the air. Okay. I will say that. Okay. Um, and so I traveled with him um extensively for about a year and a half. Um, and I we were I, talking about make, seeing how the sausage is made. I was the only girl in that team, and that was a huge problem. Like me getting hired was a huge like political thing. I was young. I was a girl. Um, kind of fly. Dane, I got written up a lot. Uh, written up? Flyness. Oh, I got written up <laughs> oh, on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, you dress um, provocatively. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, I was married at the time, so that helped. Um, but it took a minute for Tiffany me. Tiffany was married? Look I know. at this. It took a minute for me to get accepted. Um, but Were I you married to somebody in the church? We joined the church together. Okay. We both went to Morgan, so we moved to Atlanta together. We joined the church together. Um, and working for Dr. Dollar... For me, as far as my faith goes, it's um it's nothing. As far like you said, he's a great teacher. Um, he sets requirements for you as his staff, like in your faith and you figuring it out. Um, the exposure to him and just him as a person, and then just being a part. I'm a member. I'm st- I still consider myself a member, even though I don't live in Atlanta anymore. Right. I watch every single right. Sunday. That's who yeah. I tied to. Um, but. As far as freeing myself up, I feel extremely free as a, I consider myself a Christian in a way that I don't feel like other people are. And so when we talk about this model, the model for me is not perfection. I always say that was Jesus's job. That wasn't my job. That's not what he asked me to do. God asked me to love. And that was it. And that's my only model that I work off of. And everything else is my own. And me and God work through that for me to get through the day. When people talk about sin and consequence, it's a consequence of your day. It's a consequence on how if I push this bottle of water over, you will get wet. Like that's the consequence. My consequence isn't with God because it's been paid for already. And that wasn't my job to pay for it. But I'm free. I'm free in how I walk through every day. Like, I am not the best person. You will get cursed out. I am confrontational. It's not to say that I'm not growing as a person, because I am, and I don't feel like I don't have to grow, right? Because I want to live my best life. Hold on. But how do you grow unless you make mistakes? How do you grow unless you fall down and figure out, okay, that's the pathway to falling. Okay. And I'm not offering anybody perfection. My friends, I tell people this all the time. It's not on the table. It's not what I'm offering you. But I'm offering you me and my model is to love the best way that I can and and be a part of that. That's my only mission. I think that's the only thing God requires of me. I have a great relationship with God. He talks to me all the time. We crack a lot of jokes together. Um, and I always feel I think we got good. the same God. Seriously. <laughs> I promise you. Because I feel like God talks to you in a way that he can meet, where he can meet you. And I need a joke from time to time. But we, earlier we talked about Alan. The th- there's a huge difference in us that Alan feels a pressure that I never feel. And I know for a fact I'm going to heaven. Give me some. Me too. I, people, they don't believe it. But listen, uh, first, my name is written in the book. I, 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 Sylvia tried to send me to hell yesterday because I... <laughs> I said, I said that uh, somebody needed subtitles or whatever. And I'm like, mm-mm. 
No, God know that that man needs subtitles as well. We, you know, this is not, and it's earnest. So there's a scripture out of overflow of the heart, right? And what Tiffany's saying about love to me is like people, there's two commandments after we break it down. Two, that's it. Love the love, love the Lord that God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, right? That's number one. Mm-hmm. And love one another. That's it. Everything else is wrapped in that. And I do believe there's a heaven and a hell, but you don't go to hell by being bad or you don't. I, this is my belief. I believe hell happens or whatever it is. It happens because you don't you can't go somewhere that you don't believe in. If you don't believe in God and you don't believe in heaven, you, you can't go in there. And so you will go to whatever you is there available to your own devices. But that's it. God loves us all so much in spite of ourselves. I tell everybody all the time, like, your your sin ain't that dope. Like, ain't nothing you do in that dope that you can undo what Jesus already Come did. On. Oh, my gosh. So we set. We're already covered. And the only people that are going to hell or whatever it is are the people who choose to live off their own devices and don't believe. You cannot go somewhere that you don't believe in. And that's why it's not available. But the moment you believe, it's on the table for you. And we saw it, the man on the cross next to Jesus. He was condemned. Right. In that moment that he accepted, that was done. And all of the things that he had done previously, that's why in my mind I was like, if I just say I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness. But, you know, let's get back to Alan for a second because I want want him to be free today. I want to. I want to go to the Karen. I want to go to the Karen church. Oh, that church. That's a uh, good church. Ain't in the building. What did, um, uh... (laughs) Killer Mike has a uh, sleep church. Sleep church. Oh, yeah, that was on his church of sleep. <laughs> yeah. But he yeah. had yeah. Creflo on no. there, too. Yes. Yeah, he had Creflo on there. I was concerned. This, I was nervous yeah. for a second. Yeah. Well, Creflo always, never disappoints. Let me just say that. Um, you know, the, the bondage that, that, that we carry around, I think it is particularly more when when you have the namesake. You know, you, you are honoring your father, not just the heavenly father. You're honoring his legacy, you know, and then you got your children. And it's like the pressure of being a man, a black man, part of a, a, a pastoral family ah that's got to be a lot yeah no it is it's and i would add being in a fire and brimstone type of church on top of that and even like for example you know like you mentioned tiffany like you and your husband picked a church together um nobody i've ever dated including my wife has been able to you know Explore. pick a church with me like we're right. going to my dad's church i view it like if my dad owned a you know a dent. If my dad was a dentist, I would go to my dad to get my teeth fixed. Um, what if your dad wasn't? What if, what if there was a doper dentist? Yeah, I would still go to my dad. Like that's how I was he raised. He gave you cavities. I would go to my dad <laughs> as a dentist. I'm serious. You walk around, you walk around with rotten teeth. So what I'm getting right. at is part of it is like you know, for me as a as a preacher's kid, part of it is supporting my dad in his endeavor because I know how hard he works at it. I know how tough it is for him. To, I, my church is really small. For him to so be they would miss preaching you if you to the... Oh, man. <laughs> if you came to church, you would see me collecting the offerings, singing so in the choir. Though? Why is the church so small, though, Alan? I'm about to say something right now. Why your church been small all these years? Yeah, well, some churches are going to stay small, and a lot of churches are going to die. Like, it's a fact. It's almost like business. Like, some businesses are going to close. But I will say, I, I, and this is to Alan, and I don't know if this is true, now, when I've talked to you when we first met and I talked to you about my past church experience, right, you asked me a question. You said, why do you still tie to that church? Like, I'm not there anymore, you know, whatever. And I felt like I was getting the judgment of going to mega churches, right? Like, 
Jamal Bryant is a for mega, Baltimore is a mega church and uh, Creflo, Creflo definitely that's a mega. a mega church. And you know, I feel I still feel that judgment, not from Alan, but from people like, oh, you just go, you know. And I say to myself, why aren't that church grew? Like, you know, it grew from a small church to a large mm-hmm. church. Like, don't give your church credit for staying small. Like, that's a problem. Like, especially if it's your uh, if it's your mission to get the word out, you are not completing your mission. If you are staying small on purpose and then you have an issue with churches that are larger. And this is not to Alan, but this is just my thought around that because I don't understand. Like, it's a successful church. So this church. is to Alan, though, because I want to I, I feel the discomfort. Like, I feel the discomfort. <laughs> I feel that, and it's no, no. So, so here's the thing: I wanted, I wanted to have a conversation that was unencumbered by calls, where it's unencumbered because everybody in this room loves each other. I, I know this is, I know my name, right? So there's no judgment or anything. And this is the thing: I'm, I'm, I used to be a hyperly judgmental person, like checklist all i'm looking up what why is we looking what Tiffany's wearing? Why is her thigh showing? She out here trying to, you know, like. But I've I've freed myself in the last like five years and it's been a journey, you know, but I feel like to have these conversations is important, even if you don't agree, like we need to have them because to explore things that make us uncomfortable is where the growth is. Right. So go ahead. Yes. I was going to say, you know, like I believe both there's a role for both the big church and the small church. I will tell you as a person who grew up in a small church. Like, it's the same thing as going to a small, historically black college versus going to the big 100,000-person school. It's the notion that sometimes people need a smaller environment to be able to build that relationship with God. And I think there's a role for small churches. And I, it's not every church's goal to be a big church. Like, some churches need to stay small because they're doing work in an environment where pe- there's a lot of people that would never go to a big church. There's only one goal for church. I mean, and the church is us, in right? Theory. So, no, in so, theory. No, I'm, I'm going by the Bible, right? So the Bible says, you know, the body are the people. It's not a building. Jesus never had a building. The one building he went in, he turned over chairs and stuff because people were cha- changing money in the temple, right? But most of his preaching happened at shorelines and, the, in the you know, people's homes. And wherever he was is where church was to a more gathered. That's scripture, right? But then there's the other notion that our job is the Great Commission. So which is what makes the Jehovah's Witnesses so dope, but then they, they get legalistic, right? Go out and make disciples. That's our job. Spread the gospel. Go out two by two. If no one checks you, dust knock the dust from your feet. Keep moving. But the go- goal is to win souls. Yes, but are we talking about quantity or quality, right? In the Numbers. sense that, is it, but is it though in the sense that if there's a person that would never be won to Christ by a big church, are they? Is their is their soul not valuable? Listen, is there, I, I was so, part of a of, of what they call a cult, and our whole job was to go out and canvas and look at people. Hey, let me invite you to church. I'm develop relationships. I'm gonna study the Bible with you. We're gonna get you baptized because that was and they were in that number too. That number, there's a certain number that's gonna go, and only people in this church. And this is when I broke away from it because I'm like, that's impossible. There are billions and billions of people being born and, and are dying every day. You cannot put a finite limit on God. I'm sorry, I can't mess with you. And if you can tell me that, you're lying. And they couldn't tell me that, so I had to check out. But the Jehovah's Witness believe the same thing. We're going to go out and make disciples. I'm going to ring your doorbell. I don't care what you say. Here's the final call. I'm going to give it to you. The final the call. Final, that's the Muslim. The watchtower. I'm sorry. That's the watchtower. <laughs> <laughs> so I get them all confused because it's legalistic and rote. It's not heart. So I hear what you're saying, Alan. It's about winning souls, like not collecting numbers. And that's where I think a lot of people get it twisted. If I have a checklist of people, then therefore I'm winning souls. Winning souls is a, is a thing that you can't even determine. 
but it's relationship. And relationships happen, but there still should be some discernible growth. I mean, Jesus started with 12 disciples, and now they're like, how many billions of people believe in him? Now, they're not living the life that shows that they actually do believe in Jesus, but that, that grew to be one of the largest religions ever. Yeah, I'm just saying that there's a role for the small no, and I, institution, I, whether it be an educational institution or a church, there's a role for it. And even if, you know, some churches will get bigger, I still think it's important for some to stay small. And, and you know, Tiffany, you brought up the point about I asked you about your ties. Um, and I, this is now me being the messenger. Like my dad is a, is a preacher. He shares with me uh, some of the, you know, the difficulties of being being a pastor. One of the difficulties is you get a lot of folks who, you know, go to church by staying home and watching it on TV. But the moment somebody in their family gets sick, they call my dad and ask him to go and, and pray for him. Or the moment there's a funeral, you want to come to our church and, and, and have my dad preside over it. Or if there's a wedding, you want... So meaning like the the, the question was, well, you know, it, it's really based in the fact that like I think these the big churches, there's nothing wrong with them. But it's it's almost like people that donate to the United Way or the or the American Red Cross, like the big organization, versus like the smaller one that's in the community that is more grassroots. It's a question of which one attracts you more. Which one do you think your your dollar is going further in? And that was my view on tithing to a megachurch. Well, I think it's a little different because unlike an institution uh, school, there's a finite limit. There's only a certain number of seats that you can do to go to a small school. There's only this many seats. I went to Drew. There's only this many seats that only this many kids can go in there's an infinite amount of people that can join your church and then at that point you have to break off because i think creflo started in like a, a school yard yeah. or something in cafeteria and, yeah, and then that grew from like 20 people to 40 because at some point you know a lot of people that are just there to be seen but there's a message that's resonating with people that make them want to come and i even i'm gonna use my the radio show as an example i came in nobody i mean i had people cussing me out when i first got on the air because um they were like who are you you know, I'm sitting in somebody's seat, you know, as far as they're concerned. I couldn't stand you when I first started listening. But I've been committed to a message and a mission from day one that is resonating with people. And I know it is because I see the, the emails and I get the results. But I come here every day with purpose. Like, I want people to be free, healthy, wealthy, wise. I put people around them. Momentum is on Urban View because you are feeding people. Sylvia's on Urban View because she's feeding people. That's a criteria terms. Like, I want to do Sunday. What you feeding people? What you give? them that's an important thing because people are paying for something i want to make sure that they get not just their money's worth but their life's worth so i'm not saying anything other than you know even in that we have to judge the people that we do tie to in terms of are they feeding are they are they are they doing and i've come full circle on the tithe too because i tithe in many different ways i don't just give money to a church i used to do that religiously now I'm tithing to, to Hydea Green because that's a mission that I want to see happen. So I'm diverting my tithes to her until she gets that $10 million. And then, you know, I'll probably find something else because we're a global body and Jesus shows up in so many different ways to me. But please challenge me. Like, I want I want to have a conversation about it in a way that if I'm wrong, tell me where I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't, I'm not saying you're, you're wrong. I think, you know, again, you know, we were talking mega church, small church, you know, and like my... The, the funny thing, though, let's just throw that out for one second. Like going back to me supporting my dad, even if he was the dentist giving me cavities. Like part of it is just loyalty. Right. Like I'm loyal to the fact that this is my dad. He's putting in all of this work. And like if I, you know, I would expect my kids, to, if I was the worst financial advisor in the world, I still expect my kids would give me their account 
to manage because, or at least like let do me. We? I, do, come on, Alan. I have a cousin. I shouldn't even say this, but I'm gonna say this. I'm, listen, because this is this is raw. So I have a cousin that started a business, and uh, you know I wanted to support this business, but the business was not well run, and, and I won't, won't get too much into it because then people will know what it is. But I was like. I can't support this. But let me stop you for a second, Karen. Your father used to own a corner store, correct? Yes. Now, if you came in your father's corner store eating, you know, a bag of potato chips that you bought from the corner store down the street. That would be derelict. That would be a problem. he sells the exact same thing. Exactly. Conversely, let's say you know your dad is looking for an employee. He's struggling to find an employee. Would you go work at the corner store down the street? Before if, if, giving your dad a chance for you well, to work so there? there's a number of things. So my dad had been robbed several times, shotguns in the face. And if the store down the street had better security, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not blindly loyal. So we're a little different. Um, I have standards, even in my family. There are people in my family that I don't speak to because of how they treat me or how they behave or how they comport themselves. Very close to me. Like, I have, like, I feel, and this is, sounds really crazy, I value myself so much, I love me so much, that I'm never going to let you mistreat me, even if we're relatives, even if we're close relatives. You're going to have to learn how to respect me or treat me a certain way. You don't get the pleasure of being around me. And I feel that strongly about that, because even though we're connected to people by blood, <laughs> and this is scripture too, it's not the blood that connects us. Exactly. It's not the blood that connects us. So your standards could be totally different than mine. I'm going to tell you about, like I told my cousin, this is what you need to do. Your business is, because she was complaining about, oh, it's recession. I was like, no, nah, it's not recession because the person <laughs> that I actually go to for the same thing, they're making money because they run a different business. So you need to do something different. And they wouldn't listen to me. So I was like, okay, no problem. I don't know whether they're even in or out of business anymore because I don't speak to them anymore. But I feel like just because we're family doesn't mean that you just get my loyalty. That they're they're. But, I know that sounds crazy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't sound crazy at all. But I think what people need to understand, and I think you made a really great point, it's not the um, the the DNA blood that connects us, right? Right. Like if you are a Christian, you know, specifically, it's the blood of Jesus that we're all supposed to be covered in and we're all supposed to be operating under the mission of love. And I, I, I'm in the same boat with you as far as family. And I say to my relatives, love is a verb. If you are not loving me. Actively, what is it? First Corinthians? Patient, kind. What love is patient. Love is kind. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. Oh, I, don't know. I took that out of my vows. Right. I didn't you want took, that. You didn't want house. that. But no. um, I, I tell if you, if you are not actively doesn't keep using scoring. that mission, you that's know the, the mission the of love, says. then Ad-lib. us being related doesn't make you better than the person who is right put, putting their God force right, towards right. me. Right. I had somebody, one of my cousins, like we blood, and you out there in the street being nicer to people than you are to us, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have a relationship with the people here. Not you. I don't have a relationship with you. I don't even really know you. We don't live the same kind of life. We don't do the same kind of things. We don't have the same kind of interests. So don't be mad because, you know, oh, you you, know, you think you all of that. No, I don't. I just live differently. And I think that's there's nothing. I think so many of us are walking in lockstep with something that doesn't walk in lockstep with our spirit. And the truth of the matter is you could be born into a family and have completely different values. And and you're not you're not shaming your family by having different values because that's your experience in your life. And we, but I, Karen, just, I think it all goes back to the original term that you use of bondage. 
I think our families, not, you know, not every person in your family, not every family, but if you are progressing or if you are different or if you have a different view, they will use the, but we are family as your bondage. Or if it's, you know, the, the church, some churches, you know, over others, if it's, you know, well, you sinned. And so now you either need to do something different or as your bondage. I don't think that anybody or I don't think that people just understand, like, the way God loves us, he don't want you all hemmed up like this. He, You can't, you, because I believe in the church of one. So we talked about mega churches and small churches, but I've always believed that I am the church of one in that my testimony if, well, should be enough to convert to bring to make somebody say well listen your god is working out like you know <laughs> something it's is good working you know it's, it's good advertising right. i tell people all the time they're like well for, for instance i don't have children i don't want to have children i've never wanted to have children people i have friends who say they're oh my high-fiving god. right now yeah who say you know you're why don't you want to have children you should i'm just like first of all you're not selling it well to be honest, <laughs> you're complaining all the time. You you got something negative to say all the time. You know, you're miserable. You're not selling it well. And I believe as Christians or whatever faith you have, if you as a church of one aren't selling it through your success, through your joy, through your freedom, through your energy, like, then that's the real problem. Yeah, to me, going back to what I said earlier, like, that's to me, that's glorifying God. Like being the church of one, showing love the way you guys are talking about. But I think people think it's more of the commandments. And that, and I love I love that Karen brought up. It's 633 commandments, first of all. And we all, we know it's not going to happen, first of all. Second of all, <laughs> people pick and choose. I think people pick the bondage scriptures. Like there are plenty of scriptures that, that make it very clear that the commandments were brought to deliver the law they were brought so that people understand where your shortcomings are right. where your weaknesses to are to protect you to from yourself protect you from yourself and for you to understand in what times do you need god but jesus came to deliver faith and resurrection if you are still choosing to live under the law it is you choosing to say i don't need jesus and what he did for me i'm gonna run these rules because i got these rules and that's how i choose to live and i am turning my back on the greatest gift that's ever been given to us oh my gosh it it says it multiple times in the bible and nobody likes these scriptures i don't know why they're not popular but it's very clear and direct that the commandments are the law. It literally says the commandments are the law and are and came are, have come to bring death. And Jesus came to bring life. And people still allow themselves to be held to the bondage of the 10 scriptures they know. You usually know like four or five. You're missing a whole bunch of hundreds instead of operating in just straight love and being free to be in the joy and all the wonderful things that God has for us. But that's, he, that's religion versus correct, God. Like I, that's the aspect of religion, which is how when man gets his hands on exactly. it and starts to, you know, twist things around and creates the fire and brimstone, which right. is what I experienced. So why, why do you think, um, Alan, because you're the one person still in bondage in this room. All right. <laughs> why, why do you, and um, let me just thank you, Tiffany, for saying that because I, I, my whole world opened up when I realized that. And I was like, man, how much life am I missing out on? Not just experiencing. I mean, God made us all wonderfully, all of us, yes. right? He, why would God make us to be in this tiny box? God made you, knew the hairs on your head before he formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you before you came out of your mother's womb. He knew you. Why would he make you to then 
make you a a carbon copy of everybody else to or do miserable and stuck right. in a box right or living this whack-ass life you're right. a bad advertisement i'm right. gonna tell y'all this right. right now all y'all out there making people do stuff and i think you know like what kind of god is that like who wants to worship that but more importantly that's not who god is exactly so if if we're made in god's image then all the things that you are is okay it's okay. And you know what? I often say, well, we'll see at the end. You know, I joke with people because I know I'm going to be there. Right. You know, and so we'll see. But why not be happy? Because people are killing themselves every single day because they're not living up to something that they think they're supposed to live up to that no one ever said that you're supposed to live but up to. I will tell you, I, I still, like, I, I can accept a lot of what you guys are saying, but I, I've got to stop a little bit short in the sense of, you know, like the, the, the image that you just conjured up was, okay, well, what about, and I'm just going to say, I don't know if Michael Jackson did it or not, but what about a Michael, what about a pedophile? Let's just say that. Pedophiles what about, going to hell. what about a murderer? <laughs> like, murderers are going to hell. But what I'm getting at is like, you can still be a loving person. You no, can still you be. No, you can't because you wouldn't murder somebody if you loved them. Let me tell you, there's no, there's nothing in my spirit that would ever let me murder but, somebody. But I moment, promise you. The moment you start adding... Or, or molest a child. Let me just say course. that. Of course. But all I'm getting at is the moment you start adding these qualifications, like it, it's... No, it, no. You're now saying that so, there's so, actions you can take no, that will No, I'm saying that if love, from, is due, if love is the only requirement, I can't... First of all, I'm not going to talk about you behind your back if I love you, number one. So I'm not going to talk about... I'm only going to say things that will help you if I love you, because I do, right? I may say some things harshly, because I do that too, but it's in love. It really is because I want even my student, I want you to get it right. There's nothing, there's no action that I feel like I can commit that would be so heinous because I do love people. Right. So I'm not going to steal a child's youth, which is murder. In my opinion, any pedophile out there who's having sex with a child, you're murdering that child's spirit. Yes. Murder is a sin. Killing is not. So if, if someone were to come in right now and try to do something to either one of us, anybody, in, I might kill somebody. And I don't think I'm going to heaven for that, for protecting the, the lives in this room, because I love y'all. So I just feel like, you know, how we look at things, you know, smoking weed is not going to send you to hell. <laughs> you know, um, doing cocaine is hurting yourself. So if you don't love yourself, so there's still an element of love, right? And that the harm that we do to ourselves is not loving. So therefore, we're, we're dishonoring God. So I, if love is the thing that we put everything through and love is an action, as Tiffany mentioned, but there are also elements of love that we can go to the scripture to even say, is this loving? That's the only thing yeah, we're but required I'm saying to do. There's also the same person that could be on one hand do, showing love in one way. Give me an example. No, I'm just saying like, and I'm giving, I no. gave the extreme example no, of a give murderer. Give an example, a real example. Yeah. So a real example. So would I think, be, I think Michael Jackson's still a real example, right? So on one end, he's potentially a pedophile, right? On the other end, between donations and everything that he did and, you know, in, in, uh, you know, supporting nonprofits and all the good that he did in the world during, while he was alive, you know, there's the dichotomy of good and bad. And I think now I, I'm, I guess I'm got the third different opinion here. I think murderers and pedophiles can go to heaven. No question about it. Wow. Okay. I do believe that. Um, well, I mean, if you're saying that, I don't know what the man on the cross next to Jesus did. He could have been a murderer and a pedophile, and yet he would spend eternity in heaven. So I guess you're absolutely right. I, just, I would feel, it, I, I, you know, and I got to work on myself. Thank you, Tiffany. You're challenging me right now. I just know, like, in the Bible, it does say kind of sins are, all sins are created equal. You know what I mean? Wow. And I know why we don't feel that way. It's because we don't have the love, we, we don't love on God's level. 
And so that's why we add our own sauce to it. But it's still as plain as day. Mm. So many of us are living uh, God's, we're living our, our godly life through our own prism, not through the prism and as prism, not prison of God. Many of us are in a prison because we're not living a godly, God's view of life. Ah. Yeah, I do believe God will forgive. Like I believe the murderer can be for- forgiven and the pedophile can be forgiven. And, you know, it's just a question of, you know, again, like I agree with y'all in your view on love and God wants us to show love. My reason is different. I said, I think God wants to, wants to do it because it glorifies him. I believe my existence is to glorify God. One of the ways I do that is by showing love. I do believe if I were to commit a a, a heinous sin or a heinous crime. All heinous. Of course. I believe that I could be forgiven for it, for sure. But again, it's this, there's the great area of, you know, again, what about if you throw in these big. I just uh, want people to understand that these, this is not, you know, me coming for Alan, but these great areas are our own. Ain't no gray area with God. Like, it's no gray area with Jesus. We created him. We created this gray area. This is about us and our own grip on this thing. And it's fine. Like, we are humans, and and, and we figure things out for ourselves in our own ways. But um, that gray area, like, God doesn't own that. He he wasn't That's gray not, he about loving us. He didn't us. create it. He didn't create it. He didn't it. create that. Okay. So... Uh, and there were murderers in the now, Bible. Now, I will tell you, like, look, I, I don't, was a murderer. Amen. I don't understand the mindset of a, a murderer, but I bet you there's a murderer that gets happy from murdering. Totally, Probably. totally. I don't. Like, when we but say, but I bet that same person is not loving God. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is like when we say that God wants us to be happy, I agree, but I don't believe God wants us to be happy doing things like murder. Yeah, but the, the definition of happiness right. and joy, or actually joy, is what we should be, uh, right. is very spiritual. A person who would murder and get happy from it is not a spiritual person. So I think, you know, again. But what happens to him? Who knows? And I, to Karen's point, like, I don't think that's our job. I think okay. I think that's him, that, that person and their walk. And I think we get too caught up in other people's, people's walk. walk. Yes. Like, you, you're not straight yet. Like, you don't have time to be focused on somebody else's walk. I don't know how it's going to work out. It's not my job to know how it's going to work out. But what my job is for me it is to shine bright so that I attract other people who want to shine bright. And I attribute my testimony to being able to shine bright in spite of everything that's happened to me is my relationship with God. And so, again, I think it's being a strong... Same thing I aver- said. Glorifying God. But you did shining also bright say in the beginning that your glorifying thing. God is tied to avoiding sin. And that's something that we should all do. But so to me, my love isn't attached so to that. Alan, love pussy to the day you die. <laughs> love it. Put your whole face in it. Have your whole head up in the pussy. Just enjoy it. Lick your lips. Everything. You are not going to hell you for are it. Not. Well, you I'm are married, not going to hell so for it. Right. So that's the, your, that, your but... wife's pussy. That's good. All right. And we are all right with that. And we're going to love you no matter what. Thank you, Karen Hunter. Shoot. Can I thank y'all guys? I, listen, this is just the beginning. We're going to continue this conversation. Y'all got to do your show too. Okay. But I, I want to thank you for indulging me. Uh, yes. It was very enlightening. I got to know you guys more. Momentum Advisors, you can check them out on Momentum Advice on Twitter, Momentum Advisors on other places, right? (laughs) And, of course, on Urban View, Channel 126, every Sunday at 11 a.m., and you're repeating again. uh, 6 6 p.m. There you go. Eastern Time. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And if you want to tweet, tweet at me, at Karen Hunter. Uh, And this podcast was brought to you by Harney and Sons Teas. I love their green tea. They're matcha and all of that. Go to harney.com. Com slash Karen. All right. See you next time.